Welcome to Skylights, the podcast of Open Sky Wilderness Therapy. Nestled in the mountains of Southwest Colorado and the canyon country of Southeast Utah, Open Sky transcends traditional wilderness therapy by emphasizing treatment for the whole family. I'm your host, Emily Fernandez, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Open Sky. On each episode of Skylights, I speak with an expert in the field of wilderness therapy, and together we explore the unique value the outdoors provides on the journey towards wellness, self-discovery, and growth. To learn more about Open Sky, visit us at openskywilderness.com. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here. How often do we find ourselves in communication with someone where we realize we're just missing each other? Where the person we're talking to isn't actually hearing what we're trying to communicate? When it comes to parent-child communication, especially during the adolescent years, this can often become the norm. How can we really communicate effectively with our kids? And how can parents talk to their kids in such a way that the kids really hear what they're intending to communicate? Clinical therapist Nick Blenderking-Brill joins us today to answer these questions and help us sharpen our communication and listening skills. Nick works with adolescent boys here at Open Sky, and his curiosity about people and relationships drives his desire to help people heal internally and through human connection. With extensive experience on both our clinical and family services teams, Nick is well-equipped to guide us through this important topic of parent-child communication. Welcome, and thanks for being on the podcast again, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Emily. Great to be here. So let's start with some context. Obviously, we all have different personalities, communication styles, ways of relating to each other, and so do our kids. During the adolescent years, parent-child communication can be particularly challenging, as we all know. What perspective can you offer on why this stage is so hard, both for kids and for parents? Naturally, adolescence is a time when kids are just trying to differentiate from their parents in their identity and their perspectives and their tastes. And so in a way, parents are already up against a loaded deck um, as are teenagers, right? Because teenagers are at this natural point in their developments when they're actively trying to not listen to you. They're trying to cultivate their own identities. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Right. It would almost be weird if they weren't doing that or a bit of a concern in terms of like moving along developmentally. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, And kind of along with this piece is that Teenagers care way more about what their peers think than than their parents, right? And this is also natural. Um, It's a time when they're going to automatically be listening to people who are their age more than they're going to be listening to their parents because they simply value that viewpoint more. And, And again, it ties in with identity formation, right? They're experimenting with what it means to form a tribe that is separate from their original family system because they're preparing, you know, many years down the road to create their own family. Well, it's helpful just to get that reality check. I mean, I think that it is something that we all really know on some intuitive level Mm -hmm. or intellectual level, but Mm -hmm. it can be really hard to access those feelings in the moment when you're face-to-face with an adolescent who doesn't want to listen to you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why this is is a worthwhile topic, right? Because some of this stuff may seem obvious or intuitive, but when we get down to the nitty-gritty of it, it can be a lot harder, especially when emotions are high. It can be a lot harder to actually implement effective communication styles, right? You know, and I, and I think another piece, Emily, as well, is, is 
So, you know, all of us at whatever age we're at, we're all trying to meet, meet our basic needs, right? Love and belonging, power and control, freedom, fun. Um, and when a child is younger, you know, they've got their parents to help them meet those basic needs, right? That's natural. That's where they are developmentally. But as adolescents gain more independence, um, they no longer need to look to their parents to fulfill these needs. And I think kids often see parents as a roadblock to meeting these needs, mm-hmm. um, even if they're going about it in unhealthy ways. And so no wonder any advice from parents would fall on deaf ears because kids are just trying to meet their needs. And so I think that's a way that we can like have more compassion for teenagers who are acting out. Right. That it, and, it, and it's hard when you're in that dynamic where it is coming at you so directly to not take it personally. Yeah. But again, to step outside of that dynamic and say, okay, this is where they should be developmentally is pressing here and they're trying to meet their needs and they're not meeting it in a healthy way. And it is my job as a parent to still put some guardrails up. Absolutely. We want kids to be asserting their own independence and they're still kids mm-hmm. and they still need to be listening to what their parents are saying. So what do you think some of the most important things are that kids need from their parents when it comes to communication at this stage? You know, I think kids, like all of us, um, kids want to be understood, right? But this isn't always possible. And sometimes we just simply don't understand. And that's actually okay. All that we and kids really need is, is simply to be heard, simply to be validated, right? Simply to be listened to. We don't need to understand. And so this doesn't necessarily mean that you need to agree with everything that your kids say. It doesn't mean that you need to accept all of their actions, right? Um, that's a bonus. If that happens, great. But but at the heart of it, kids just need to be know that you're actually listening to them and taking in what they're saying. So really going back to those basics of reflective listening mm-hmm. and being able to hear. And I think sometimes that can be scary to do because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, there is this risky behavior. You know, you're not coming home when you're supposed to. Yet it can be hard to have that conversation because the parent is worked up and the kid is worked up and mm-hmm. it's hard to hear each other in that moment. You know, what you're saying in terms of like meeting needs, like maybe that's about meeting a need for love and belonging. So how do you get to that point of being able to, you know, as a parent, show your kid that you understand that it's hard to not be included in some of the social stuff? Yeah. And and I think that the way to do that is simply, yeah, to fall back on those reflective listening skills in the moment. Um, And, you know, yeah. And again, I think when you are reflecting someone, I think it's easy. I think it's easy to resist reflecting because there's like this belief of like, oh, if I reflect what this person is is saying right now, that means that I'm agreeing with them and I don't want to send that message. And so there is a skillful way, I think, with practice to reflect your kid, validate your kid, um, let them know that, hey, I am listening to you and here's still the boundary. And hey, I still don't agree with you. Or, or even like, hey, I, I hear that this is where you're coming from. And I'm just not on board with that, or I'm really concerned, or I'm really scared. You know, I think that there's a skillful way to to have both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think that that can be a really sticky point to get to in terms of the reflective listening. And, mm-hmm. you know, kids often feel like to, to feel heard, then my parent needs to agree with me. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that can drive that fear of parents of like, oh, if I just say like, wow, I really get how important it is for you to be hanging out with these kids. And we realize we have an earlier curfew than some of the others. And I understand that's important, but you still need to be home on exactly. time. Yep, exactly. So when we talk about these kind of examples, what are some common pitfalls that parents can fall into when their kids just tune out or just can't hear or won't listen? You know, I think the number one that I see that I think is really common is lecturing or advice giving. Um, And it comes from a good place, right? Mm -hmm. It comes from this, any kind of lecturing and advice giving, it comes from a positive intention and a place of love. But, you know, for example, um, saying something like, Son, you just need to put your head down and do schoolwork because I know how strong and capable you are. And if you don't do well in school, you're not going to go to college. Like a kid's just going to brush that off. You know, they, it comes across as fluff to them. And it's, it's actually missing the point of why they are struggling in school. It's irrelevant to their actual experience of why school is difficult for them. So, you know, I, th- I think that instead of lecturing, um, you know, what what works is to come at it with more curiosity, right? Get curious about what their actual experience is. Instead of telling a kid, hey, you need to do better in school, ask, what, what are the roadblocks right now? Why are you struggling? What's your day-to-day experience of being in school? How can I support you? Let's figure this out together. Mm-hmm. I think it is such a natural inclination. And, you know, as we grow older, we we have wisdom, we have perspective on sure. our own. Yeah, I, I really hear what you're saying, that often that's I mean, I think generally always that's coming from a good place of wanting to share that wisdom. Absolutely. But it's really hard for the adolescent mind to hear. It is, yeah. So it's a tough balance to strike. And I think that, you know, there are situations when, you you know, a parent could ask and check in with their kid, hey, are you open to some advice right now? And then at that point, it's totally appropriate to give some advice. It's like, yeah, sure. I would love some fatherly or motherly advice from you right now. Lay it on me. Mm -hmm. It's like then— yeah, then then you kind of get your cake and eat it too. Right. There's that choice point of, I, I love that idea in terms of just getting that buy-in or getting that choice because, mm-hmm. you know, that's another thing with adolescence mm-hmm. is just wanting to have realistic choices, mm-hmm. you know, like there, there needs to be some of that empowerment, but around, you know, two things that are both okay to choose. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. So lecturing, advice giving, what else? What are some other common pitfalls? Another one I see is comparison. So for example, when I was a kid, I played football and I ran cross country. And why can't you be like me? Or, or even on the opposite end, and, and don't be like me. I did that and it was bad. Don't do that, right? This doesn't land either because your kids aren't you. And nor do they want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it can be easier to look at the comparison of like, you know, I mean, that can happen with siblings too. Uh, totally. You know, yeah. and maybe it's not Great as point. overt, but, you know, it's it can be subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, comparing for like, oh, this is what, what it was like for me mm-hmm. can be kind of um, an alluring thing to do because it's like it's coming from that place of wanting to share perspective and wisdom too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, I mean, what else— what else could be more natural as a parent to share your own wisdom and perspective from what it was? Because you, all parents at one point were adolescents as well. So what could be more natural and what could be more alluring to share that, right? And so, yeah, it comes from a great place and it's so easy to do. But at the same time, right, that's not, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually land for kids when mm-hmm. they hear that kind of message. 
Okay, so the pitfalls, lecturing, advice giving, comparisons, any other like top ones to be aware of? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think the last one, you know, I want to speak to um, is, and again, it's unintentional when it happens, but from time to time, I think parents can fall into judging or, or even shaming their kids totally unintentionally without meaning to. So for example, a comment like, um, you know, you used to be such a sweet kid, and ever since you got that new boyfriend, you've just turned into such a much more negative person. Mm. And while that may be coming from a good intention, um, you're putting a lot of, you're putting the onus of your own feelings onto your kid in a way, right? That's not taking responsibility for your own fear or concern or mistrust around your kid's choices, right? It's it's putting it all on them. And, and I think that that leads to feeling shame um, of you know, I can imagine a kid hearing that message of, oh gosh, my mom thinks I'm a, a negative person now. Like, geez. And and that can be internalized or externalized, right? But I think either way, that kind of message is going to be met with some level of resistance. And um, and so I think kind of the way to count to counteract that, that, that message of that subtle message of dif- disapproval is to really own it and say, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this choice and I disagree with it. And I still love you for who you are because this choice doesn't define you. You know, I think that's a huge piece is going back to what, what kids really need from their parents is a, a deep sense of unconditional love, knowing that um, no matter what they do, their parents are going to be there for them. Their parents are going to love them. Um, sort of, it, it doesn't need to, to mean that a parent accepts all of their kids' choices. It doesn't need to mean that a parent agrees with all their kids' choices but a kid does need to know that a parent is going to love them for who they are and, and not for what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going with that example, and it's nice to shift into kind of, you know, we talked about pitfalls, but now it's like, okay, what to do? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Talk us through more about how that conversation could go. You mentioned coming from a feelings perspective versus putting it on the other person, but how would that sound Yeah. from a more I feel perspective. You know, I think I think your first step, you know, even backing up before, um, you know, before there's even a response is coming back to validation, right? Like validation and reflection first and foremost. And I think it ties into all that we've been talking about. Like start with coming, come with some curiosity, seek to understand, you mm-hmm. know, asking some questions before snapping straight to judgment. Um, and I think it's really important that a parent regulates themselves before before they go in and, and even start asking questions, right? So like maybe you're really triggered as a parent about um the the boyfriend, you know, the choice going back to that example mm-hmm. about the choice of the boyfriend. Yeah, you see the boyfriend treating your daughter not well, you yeah, know, exactly. and like so that raises emotion. The, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And that's triggering and that's emotional. And of course that's natural. And I think that the first step is to actually just like take five, take a couple deep breaths, because if you come at it with in that heightened emotional state, um, again, the message just isn't going to land. One of my favorite sayings is strike when the iron's cold. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that we so often just want to like push and push and push and, and try to get to the solution and get to the bottom of it in the moment. But when emotions are fiery, it, it tends to just throw more fuel on the fire. And so stepping back, taking, taking some breaths, regulating yourself and then coming at it with some curiosity, you know, asking questions. Um, so what's, what's it like to be in your relationship? You know, tell me, tell me what you love about this guy. You know, I, I want to hear. And then 
do some reflective listening and it doesn't need to be robotic, but you are being a mirror. And so kind of summarizing, um, summarizing what your kids are saying, right? And then that's where the, the, the I feel skills and strategies come in. You know, I think instead of saying you, because the minute you start a statement with you, the, the person on the receiving end is going to be on the defensive. That's mm-hmm. just natural. That's what's happening um, internally, right? And so starting a statement with I, um, you know, I feel uncomfortable with this choice. I'm really nervous, nervous about this choice um, because I care about you and I love you and I want the best for you. You know, I, I also feel relieved that we're having this conversation, you know, mm-hmm. like really owning your moment. own experience. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think there can also be this tendency to then just want to keep talking, but sometimes saying something and just letting it sit. Mm-hmm. As uncomfortable as that is, because um, it's so uncomfortable when you want to solve and get to the solution of the problem. Like it goes back to like that need to understand. It's almost a compulsion. Whereas really, I think that that can dig us deeper into these communication holes and we go around in circles and, and, and start to spiral out. Whereas exactly what you're saying, like taking a pause in the moment and saying, okay, I, I, I don't fully understand. I don't agree. My mind feels flooded. I need a break. Um, that, that can serve anyone in any situation mm-hmm. when they're trying to communicate with each other. Well, I like what you were saying in terms of coming from that place of compassion and love and, mm-hmm. and communicating that to your child. Mm-hmm. And I think that a way to do that is to be able to have a grounded conversation, you know, because that also can demonstrate confidence in your child when the child sees the parent or, you know, when I think about it in the field, a therapist or guide, like if they were to get worked up, mm-hmm. like that communicates to the to the kid, like, wow, this adult doesn't think I can handle this or navigate this. And like, they're scared. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be scared too. And like, that just kind of sets a tone for a really difficult way to connect mm-hmm. versus, you know, if the parent is modeling more of that grounded tone, like there's more potential for the kid to be able to access that too. 100%. So knowing that a lot of these communications are fairly ingrained, maybe even Mm multi-generational, change can be hard. So what advice do you have for parents and and for all of us in terms of being able to identify and shift these patterns? Absolutely. Yeah, you're so right, Emily. You know, it's it's one thing for us to talk about it, and it's way harder to actually do it. And so I think... First and foremost, it's so important to be gentle with yourself, be patient with yourself, and, and be patient with your family too, right? It's, it's, it is totally okay to make mistakes. Um, the point is not perfection, right? I, I think people um, oftentimes will like uh, feel this pressure to be perfect and to get it right, you know, even, even with like getting a format of an I feel statement down or getting doing the perfect reflective listening, and, and I'll see folks get paralyzed and then not even try. And so it's so much more beneficial to try and make mistakes um, and, and maybe not totally hit the mark than just not try at all. And so I think it's okay to make mistakes and, and give yourself some grace. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's kind of first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Also, self-care in all of these communications, in all of these tense moments. And I'm talking about the most basic form of self-care. Um, what, I mean, what I mean by that is like emotional regulation. So anything that you can do to regulate yourself when you're feeling triggered, that's a a basic form of self-care. So something like going out and chopping wood, raking leaves, going on a walk, um, 
you know, take, even taking some deep breaths, putting on some music, taking a drive around the block, whatever it is, um, that's going to help you get to that state of, of kind of serenity and calm before you approach these uh, conversations. I think that's really going to be beneficial. And I think that it's important to do those self-care practices um, even when you're not triggered, right? Like, mm-hmm. so that we can like maintain and prevent rather than react. Right. And that's a way of modeling to your kids too. Sure. The same behaviors that you'd like them to be able to access <laughs> when they're worked up. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing that came up as you were talking for me is just the power of intention, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, I'm coming from the right place and hopefully yeah. my child can see on some level that like my intentions are good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even just naming that in the moment, hey, I'm struggling with this communication stuff. I'm still learning how to communicate as well, um, but I really love you and I really care about you and I'm coming from this good intention and I'm not perfect and I'm, and I'm making some mistakes and it feels clunky to me, but like, let's do this together, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's figure this thing out. I think, you know, I think that um, it's so easy for, for parents to feel this pressure of like, no, I got to get it right. I got to be perfect. Um, but I think that kids love to hear that their parents aren't perfect. I think they need to hear that their parents aren't perfect and that they're kind of walking a path together. Like, yep, this is weird. This is messy. And we're, we're going to figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about that in this setting here at Open Sky. Like when mm-hmm. a, when a student gets a letter from a parent and they can see that they're trying to use the I feel format yes. or apply some of these skills, it really delights them. Oh yeah. Like they're impressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a game changer. Uh-huh. It's like, oh my gosh, mom and dad are doing the same stuff as me. This mm-hmm. is so cool. Right. And then, and then people can practice together Totally. and, you know, kind of have that feeling of being in it together. Totally. Totally. This is a great conversation to get started and kind of get the wheels turning. Mm-hmm. Do you have other ideas, you know, kind of as we wrap here for parents in terms of ideas, resources, like other ways to develop and hone these skills? Absolutely. I mean, so aside from just practicing them and, you know, getting on the ground and putting in the reps, because that's what this stuff is, it's muscle memory in a way. Um, You know, I think back to um, one of our earlier conversations, a podcast that we recorded called How to Build a Communication Toolbox. And that's where I remember you and I talk a lot more about getting into kind of the nitty gritty on the ground of this is how you share an I feel statement. This is how you do reflective listening. And so, you know, we're talking more about like some big picture stuff right now. And I think that that podcast that we did offered a lot of like really specific tips and communication tools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a great conversation. It was, it was. Yeah. And 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 I'm thinking too about... Um, I wrote a blog called Family Connection in the Digital Age. And in that, I talk as well about, um, yeah, how to use these communication skills, but specifically in the time we're in. Because, you know, I think that we're, we're in this unprecedented time where there's a larger generation gap between parents and kids than there was even 20 years ago, mm-hmm. right? Suddenly, with, with, with the advent of, of smartphones and kids getting them at such a young age and that just being a norm in our society, I think it can be harder for parents and kids to relate because current parents didn't grow up with the same kind of access to technology. And so I think that that's also a good resource, Um and, you know, and, and I think that if you're an open sky parent listening to this, 
I, th- I would absolutely encourage to just take advantage of all the family services that, that, that we offer here. So, um, you know, talk to your therapist about um, if it's a good idea to go on a family quest or, or if parent coaching can be helpful, where, which is kind of a continuation of, of all of these skills and a chance to practice. Same with Wellness Weekend. I, I hear over and over that Wellness Weekend just changes parents' lives. And so um, absolutely just encourage anyone out there, Open Sky Parent or not, to, um, to use the resources that are available to you and, and cut your teeth on this stuff in real time and, and just keep practicing with your family. Thank you, Nick. It's always just such a pleasure to talk with you. Mm-hmm. And we will link those resources in the in the show notes of this podcast. And look forward to the next conversation. Yeah, likewise, Emily. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to our guest today, clinical therapist Nick Lenderking-Brill. For more on this topic, check out Skylight's podcast, episode 19, where Nick helps listeners build a communication toolbox. To learn more about Open Sky Wilderness Therapy and Nick's clinical approach, visit openskywilderness.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening. 